Welcome to In Conversation with Our Food Future, the podcast series that's following the creation of Canada's circular food economy here in Guelph, Wellington. I'm Barb Schwarzentuber, Executive Director of the Smart Cities Office and host of this podcast series. So let's pull our chairs around the kitchen table and get the conversation started. Earlier this year, I was honoured to join a panel convened by the Council of Canadian Academies to discuss the circular economy in Canada. In November, the Council released Turning Point, a compelling report on the discussion with clear mandates for Canadian leaders to adopt more circular practices. Today, I am joined by the chair of the panel, Tima Bansal. She is the executive director and founder of the Network for Business Sustainability. She is also a professor of strategy at the Ivy Business School and is affiliated with the University of Cambridge, MIT, and Monash University in Australia. Welcome, Tima. Thank you, Barb. It's a pleasure to be here. And it was great to work with you and other expert panel members on this report. And I have to say, uh, you know, having been part of the process, it's still shocking when you read the report to look at some of the statistics. Um, In particular, the Canada's circularity rate is just 6.1%, well below many other countries, and that 73% of what we use is wasted. It's almost embarrassing and horrifying when we think of the environmental implications of this. The panel also suggested that this is equal to billions of dollars in lost economic opportunity, which I think is a really important part of the discussion. Can you uh, say more about the panel's recommendations on how we can find value from this waste? So it was really a treat to work on this panel, and it was 15 other people that cut across a number of sectors. I think one of the most important things that we found and we recommended in the report was to not think about waste as waste, but waste as value. And Mm -hmm. you said that in the question that you asked as well. But if we think about the products that we produce and that in the production process, there are byproducts that are created. And those byproducts actually have value. So if organizations go into the production process and say, there's the stuff that we make and there's the stuff that we can't use yet, but others can use, there's economic value that lies with that. So it's a lumber company that makes lumber, but then they also have offcuts. They have uh, sawdust that's created that can be used for other products or even for energy that hasn't been used And one of uh, my favorite examples is Ellen McGregor, who you might remember is also on our panel, and she's at Fielding Environmental. They recover solvent waste product from automotive coatings and printing, and they turn into new chemicals, such as thinners, uh, cleaners, antifreeze. And so I think we have to, to really get value from waste. We have to stop thinking about it as waste and thinking about it as something that someone else can use. Yeah. And, you know, it strikes me, though, that our whole economy has been organized around the idea that we can waste and that if we 
if we make this kind of a shift to actually using waste, I'm I'm just curious from your your perspective, from your professional role and experience in the situation in Canada. Um, I, I'm I'm curious what you think the impacts are going to be of that transition and how we how we get there. Oh, those are two different questions. Two great questions. One is what will it look like once we're there, and yeah. then how do we get there? So let's do that one in, in that order. So what does a circular economy look like when we're there? And uh, you've already talked about the economic value. And so if we actually don't just throw waste into the ground or actually even the air or oceans, then and we create value from that, that means that we will um, inject energy into the economy. The second one, though, is the environment. And that almost goes without saying, because if you're not polluting the land, air and water, and that will make a healthy lifestyle for all of us. And remember, too, that just pollution itself is an economic drag. So it's not just about creating value from the waste. It's also about not having to clean up the mess that we create. Mm -hmm. And then there's, of course, health implications in that. The one piece, though, that we often miss is society. And that in a circular economy, and I know you get this, uh, Barb, in your Guelph context, is that a circular economy builds community. And Mm -hmm. it gets people out of their homes to buy locally, to to use other people's products or even our neighbors' products that we've never, never thought about using before. But not only does it build community, there's another more, I guess, Canadian or macro piece to it that a lot of the extractive work happens to be in remote communities. Mm. And so uh, what happens is that the remote communities then have a high amount of pollution through the extraction. And so that when we extract less, those those communities are better. And then on top of it, most of the pollution happens in low-income areas. And so if we are then polluting less, that we end up, making uh, people in low socioeconomic areas better off as well. So ultimately, we end up leading to a better society that is more community-oriented. And so without question, the economy is better, the environment is better, and society is better. So in some ways, you could argue that why wouldn't we go to a circular economy, which gets to your second question about transition. (laughs) Yes, yeah, and I, I, I let let's just hold on that second question for a minute because I want to end with that. But um, I I love how you connect. Uh, you talk about the circular economy creating community because that really is what we're starting to see in Guelph when we start to bring people together around a vision that is about people, planet, and prosperity. It really does create a community, and so many great ideas are coming forward around how we can do that. Is there um, is there anything else in the report that you want to flag? Anything that surprised you or um, or or you think is important that to share with people around the findings of that report? I I don't know if it surprises in terms of the findings. The 6.1% circularity rate, I think, was very disturbing. Um, mm-hmm. and it's lower than uh, Europe, which is 11, over 11%. Uh, 
And then when you get into France and the Netherlands, we're talking about over 20%. So it's, that is quite troubling. Um, but I'll tell you some of the things that uh, were interesting to me is um, we had a lot of conversation, Barb, if you remember, around growth and mm -hmm. continue to grow in an economy where we have reached our planetary limits to growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of debate around the fact that if we are really going to fix the environmental issues, we have to, um, we have to contract. But then if you embed circularity in some of it, so, and, and this is a philosophical position, I think that's really important. If you think about maintaining the material economy, I should say material products in the economy for longer, and you find a use for them that brings them back into the economy when they're no longer useful as they are, we don't need to necessarily degrow. What we need to do is to find better use of our material goods that we have. Mm -hmm. I think that that philosophy was really critical in that conversation, Barb, I don't know if you remember yeah. it, was really central to my, my absorption of what we meant by circular economy. Yeah, it, and it's a contentious issue, the whole economic argument about whether, or social, ec environmental economic argument about whether an economy can continue to grow or whether we have to go to a sort of no growth or degrowth. And I think you're right. I think seeing the circular economy approach of keeping those materials in circulation does help to to think about that issue in a different way. Definitely, I, I agree with you on that. It forces us to think about growth uh, not from extraction and yeah. not from materiality, but from yeah. use. And then, yeah. then, then the, the economic value, going back to your first question, the economic value is whether we can actually use the lawn more for longer from, by more people. And that still has value then. It doesn't sit in your garage for as long then. So it's it's a very different mindset, which is exciting because then we design products in new ways. And this is where we have an opportunity, I think, as Canadians to say, what if we were to design products that lasted for longer, that could be used for more by more people? So that's designed in the front end to have more use through the life and that the end of life for the product comes back into the economy. That would yeah. give us a edge up on a lot of other countries' it's, products. It certainly would, definitely. And, um, you know, we've been thinking about the waste issue and the value of waste from a, a food system perspective here in Guelph. And so we've been also strongly making the connection between the circular economy and, and climate change and food systems. And the Glasgow Food and Climate Declaration that was presented at COP26 conference last month was really a commitment to accelerate sustainable and circular food policies at the local and regional government levels. And um, it's really important to make the linkage between things like the, the food system, which we're, we're working here to create a circular regional food system, to make the connection between things like that and climate change and the food system contributes to over a third of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So it's really just one of the food system is really just one area uh, where we can have 
a high impact. It's one opportunity area for transitioning to the circular economy. I personally believe it's like one of the highest leverage points because it is so connected directly to people's lives. Um, but of course, given the nature of our geography and supply chains in Canada, as well as the role of citizens, some of the work to transition, we're starting to get at that transition question now. Some of the work to transition means it needs to happen at the local level and the regional level and the national level, almost at the same time in a fairly thoughtful, integrated way. How important do you think that concept of localization? Because I, you know, I know that that topic came up when we were having our discussions at the expert panel about localization. How important do you think localization will be to meet the goals proposed in the Turning Point report? And, you know, what do you think are the best steps to get to that integrated response across Canada? Once again, a really great question and a big question. Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, I think that uh, circularity really pushes on, like I said, the physical material part of our economy. And inevitably to reduce emissions and to improve circularity, it's almost always going to be localized or regionalized. And so, uh, and food is a perfect example because it's perishable. So the more local it is, the better it, it facilitates circularity. And so I think that what you're doing um, in Guelph really is a, is a perfect example of how to move towards circularity at a, a regional level. But then even if you look at buildings, if you can use local resources to build buildings, if you can make them more passive in terms of their energy use, um, that also helps circularity. So I think that um, regional uh, initiatives are really going to be critical across the board. And so what they do in Vancouver is going to be really different than what we need to do in Montreal, which we need to do in Gulf. And so um, it's almost like you build up a number of regional initiatives and then you have to have this coordinated response global, uh, sorry, nationally, and then of course globally. And some of our, our, our uh, biggest partners or supply chains are just south of us, right? So in the US. And so then you have to allow for those flows as well. So we, we understand that there's a system that to move to transition to circularity, we have to recognize a systems perspective where we have local initiatives that, uh, that build up or imbricate into more regional, which get bigger and bigger. And only then will we reach circularity, but it has to be bottom up and top down because if you don't have government policies that mm -hmm. start to price the extraction of resources like carbon even, or sorry, um, like fossil fuels, the extraction of resources, and then the emissions taxing those, we will never get to a place where we can build those regional initiatives that we should. So it's, it's, it's both, it's top down, it's bottom up. That's very true. I, I entirely agree with you. Um, so, so, you know, just following on with that transition question, is there is there one or two things that you think, because we did talk about how important um, citizens are, uh, residents are in helping the transition, is there one or two things that you think that people can do tomorrow that would help 
to move Canada towards a more circular economy? One is a change in mindsets. And so um, right now we don't actually as individuals or even employees within companies, we don't think about waste. What we do think about is procurement or buying stuff and then getting rid of stuff. And so our cost structures are always, you know, um, in some ways it's what we care about how much we spend. What we need to think about is how much we waste or what we waste. And as soon as you start monitoring what goes out of whatever the back door, then I think that uh, we will shift towards circularity much more quickly. So think about what you put in your trash, for example, as an individual or as an organization, think about all of the stuff that leaves in the bins from your organization that has real value. So if I was to say that there's one thing that individuals and organizations can do is just to start monitoring what is considered to be waste and see that as value. And I think the second thing that can happen just across the board, and this is now into specific people, but I think that we need the technology and the data to allow for organizations to find each other. And so then if you do have orange peels that you don't need or, or you know, waste products, food products, then there's someone else that could possibly have them. We need those technological platforms to connect buyers to suppliers or community members. When I got my lawnmower in my garage that they can actually rent it for me. And, and then we have community-based transactions for circularity. Yes, you're so right. And those are some of the things we're we're trying to figure out how to do here in Guelph. So I appreciate that. Um, the last question is uh, one that I try to always ask guests on the podcast. And I find that people um, come to their work from both a professional curiosity and a personal passion. And we all have uh, professional viewpoints about various aspects of circularity. But I want to wrap up today by asking you to share your personal connection to circularity, whether that's, you know, from a people, planet or prosperity perspective and how that impacts your work. That's a, another good question, Barb. Uh, so I've been teaching sustainability and researching sustainability for almost 30 years and when I first started sustainability it was more around you know how can you make money from being you know environmentally responsible maybe it was about development and so it's about helping poor or whatever it might be and it was at some point uh, I don't know what it would be about 10-15 years ago that I realized that sustainability and circularity were almost the same thing and so where does it personally affect me and how does how do I think about circularity it's, it's in what I teach and how I research. And that if we can embrace circularity so that waste is not waste, and I can teach that in a classroom, and I can embed that in my research, that's where I think that I, I have that personal passion. Because as I said at the outset, that we will never be sustainable. We will never reach this place of prosperity for the future without circularity. It has to be our future. We have to sustain physical resources. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tima. And thank you for um, the great work you did chairing that panel of experts. As you said, it was people from across all different sectors and walks of life. And you did a fabulous job on that. And thank you for the passion that you you bring to your 
to your work and your research and your collaboration with um, projects and organizations uh, like ours and many others. So thank you very much for joining us today. And Barb, thank you for your wonderful contributions to the expert panel as well and for this podcast. Thank you. I'm Barb Schwartzentuber, Executive Director of the Smart Cities Office and host of In Conversation with Our Food Future. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas for a show or comments, you can email us at foodfuture@guelph.ca. If you'd like to read the Turning Point report, you can do so by visiting www.dca-report.ca. Until next time, take care and let's keep the conversation going on foodfuture.ca.